of, of course Loki <laughs> finds out you know that this this is his you know if it's there to be found Loki will find it like, this, so, yeah this, this, is this is the is Death Star this is the Death Star vent of this yeah. of this universe <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to episode 6 of the Audiobook Club podcast. My name's Jonathan and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Michael. And I'm Stephen. So today we'll be looking at um, an audiobook called Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. And it's also read um, by Neil Gaiman. So this book was um, first released in 2017. Um, so this being uh, 2022. Where you know only it's only been out about five years, um, so it's a relatively um, new book. But in terms of what it talks about, it's actually um, discussing Norse mythology, which of course is a quite a you can almost say it's history from the kind of Viking Age, um, which was about I think the Viking Age was roughly seven ninety AD to eleven hundred AD. Um, so the actual book itself is a retelling of. Uh, Neil Gaiman's favourite stories from Norse mythology um, so he's kind of taken the main idea of each of the stories and rewrote it down and essentially his own kind of um, how he views the story um, and I think the very first chapter even discusses um, it discusses it's like an introduction on how uh, Neil Gaiman got into uh, the Norse mythology world I think his um, inspiration was through the Marvel comics and through the character of Thor um, so a lot of what um, I'd say most most people would know about uh, Norse mythology probably do come from the Marvel series, um, especially the movies, um, which most people uh, definitely around the same age as us, maybe into the 30s and, and the teens, would definitely be up to date with these kind of movies. Um, so I wanted to um, ask... The, my two co-hosts here. Um, what did they know about this book? Had they read it before, um, or what the like? You know, what are their views on North mythology? Things like that. Uh, yeah, I had read this book a few times before. Uh, I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. I've read a few of his books, his short story collections. I've read American Gods and the Graveyard books. So when I saw that Neil Gaiman was releasing a mythology book, I was I was straight on this. I think I read this just a few weeks or, or maybe a month or so after it was released the first time. And yeah, that's 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 the first time that I read this and then I, I've come back to it a few times every now and then because it, it's like it's very like his short story books. It's it's a dip on two different things happening. But there there is a narrative overall, but it doesn't really tie together until later in the book. It has very short story orientated as well, I feel. I, I, I thought it was like a pure history book. Well, not history book, but like a pure um, sort of born, you know, that sort of born lecture history book sort of thing the whole time. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. Um, as for Norse mythology, though, I've kind of bits and pieces here and there from different, like, different, you know, books and games and all, all sorts of media kind of blends in everywhere. So I wasn't... Uh, 
you know, going and dry to all the, the different tales and stuff and new bits and pieces. Yeah, I think Norse mythology is very unsp- inspirational for a lot of modern day things. We'll get into that in the future section. But yeah, I'd say a lot of people, you know, would know about it without even realizing what it is. Yeah, the uh, the Marvel characters, as you said, Jonathan's probably the most popular example. And then, you know, Lord of the Rings as well. I'm sure we'll discuss more more on that. Well, World of Warcraft's another one. The Norse mythology is big in that too. Yeah, yeah it's, and, it's and a, we can never. Uh, I said we we can never uh, forget the the popular classic hut son of mask, which also references Loki. <laughs> of course, yeah, 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 classic. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in years. Huh? You watch it all the time. <laughs> Probably for good reason, like every every year, a couple times a year. Um. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the reason I chose this book then. Um, Firstly, is because I have a keen interest in like in general mythology, like Greek mythology, but um, Norse mythology as well as Greek would probably be my top two. Um, You're gonna love you know, my next pick then. <laughs> uh, the story, the stories are just uh, you know they're they kind of just shaped all this, the modern day stories. You know, I'd say a lot, a lot of people like Shakespeare and stuff has taken you know a lot of what they know from um, these kind of mythology stories and things like that. You know, the actual underlying meanings um, and ideas behind them. Um, and then I just thought the book was very entertaining. This is the second time I've went, I've listened to the book. Um, the first time I just you know it was one of them books I just kind of blew my mind. It was a bit like the humans um, kind of effect on me. You know, it was just I found it really entertaining and just so interesting. Um, I also like the short story format of this. So uh, the book um, is structured. Um, each chapter is its own individual tale. Um, and I kind of think that's a bit different than what we've done so far. So this is more small tales, um, which do have, um, I guess, overlap uh, in terms of small ideas, but not major overlap. Um, so I did like the idea of going to this kind of format, you know, just to try it out. And then, of course, as we've brought up, Norse mythology has just had a massive influence on a lot of the media today. So, um, yeah, those just kind of sum up the main reasons I chose this book. So I guess getting on the... Um, the actual uh, without spoiler review um so yeah in the introduction the introduction chapter uh, uh neil gaiman discusses uh, why he likes uh norse mythology and his reasoning behind writing the book essentially um and then after that chapter we have many of the uh main chapters uh the story chapters each each chapter being a different story but it, it kind of goes chronologically so the first chapter is before the beginning and after. So this is the, essentially the creating of the gods. And the last chapter is about uh, Ragnarok, which is um, the end of all things in Norse mythology. I wonder if my two hosts, my two co-hosts here um, want to talk about what they what they thought of the story without kind of giving any spoilers. Um, you know, how they would review it. Did they like it? Did they enjoy it? Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoy this book. Uh, I think there's a big debate over what uh, Neil Gaiman's best book is, whether uh, usually the one that's mentioned most is American Gods, which, as the title would suggest, is also about deities. He he does seem to have a fascination with that kind of a with that subject matter. Uh, I think good that Neil Gaiman is. <laughs> I think Neil Gaiman is at his best when he's writing short form. 
his uh, short story collections, uh, Smoking Mirrors, Fragile Things, Trigger Warnings are all all great. And this is this is like an addition to that. Only it's it's based on real tales of Norse mythology. If you are looking for like an educational read to become like an expert on mythology, this probably isn't the book that you're looking for. This is more like an introduction. If you want some of the tales told in an interesting way, it will deepen your knowledge, especially if you're a newbie to the to the uh, Norse mythology. But it is more of a it is more of just an entertaining read. It dips in and out of the tales. It gives you a good overview of like the main characters and everything. I really I really enjoyed this book the way it's set up and everything. Yeah, I I I like the book. Um, I did struggle with some some parts of it. Like I I like the short that it's the, all short stories. But when it starts to try you know try and tie the narrative together, that's when I started having problems because it's like really loosely related in in ways and it's not super fleshed out, which kind of uh, was kind of a bit jarring for me. Um, but overall, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think one of the things I would say is that yeah, there was a few things as well that I like background stuff or I'm not trying to sure how to describe it, but certain aspects of like the characters and stuff that I I found it hard to um, picture in a way. Maybe I'll get onto that a bit later, but um, I would say I liked it with some uh, some issues. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely um, get onto the issues. Um, and about here in the more in depth um, for myself, yeah, as I've said, I absolutely love this book. Um, and I, yeah, I think what Michael said is quite accurate. It's you know not going to go too in depth, but I think for entertainment purposes, that's that's good. You know, if you want to just be entertained by these stories, this is like the perfect book. Um, but yeah, if you want, if you're a person like wanting to actually delve deep into, you know, um, all these stories, because this only covers Neil Gaiman's favorite ones. Um, yeah, maybe um, I think this book yeah, would serve as a good introduction, but it's not going to give you a, a really in-depth review. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. I think uh, I just wanted to bring up the the difference in the audiobook. Um, I think because of the you know the Norse uh, the language and stuff like that, um, we were kind of joking about there before. A lot of the words and names are quite hard to pronounce, um, so I think reading the book quite could be quite difficult, you know. But listening to the audiobook, you know, letting Neil. Um, say the word and then you kind of know how to say it yourself is uh, would probably be a lot better definitely for me um uh, but again i mean just reading not understand the word you can it's, it's mostly names so you know you kind of get the idea yeah because uh we've got notes in front of us now and and these names they look very complex but it's it's very seamless when neil gaiman is reading them yeah i think as well of course um we're probably going to say some of the names here um, and, you know, we'll possibly get them wrong. So hopefully um, people are kind us and let us away with. <laughs> I actually read a review that uh, Neil Gaiman's pronunciation of the names is actually terrible. <laughs> by, right. That was okay. by like an Icelandic person. Or so they said, anyway. Uh, you never know if that's just someone trying to be hating or if, if they're if they're, well, if they're yeah. you know. Well, yeah, they, I, I can't remember the exact wording, but it, 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 they found it jarring. They rated it one star because of that. So. Right. Uh, but I, I liked it. It's good that Jonathan have qualified then that we are probably going to mix some mispronunciations then because uh, I think like even Northern Irish people, we struggle to say just the ordinary words correctly so we're definitely <laughs> going to struggle with these 
Yeah. Um, I mean, most of my, when I'm looking at one of these words, I'm kind of just thinking, what did Neil Gaiman say? So if he was wrong, then yeah, I'm going to be wrong. But you know what? As long as we can pass the yeah. message along, it makes no difference. That's the whole if you hate us, Yeah. If you, if you hate us, you're criticizing Neil Gaiman. That's, yeah. that's what we're saying. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think we've gone over the, the short review. Um, so we're going to get more into in depth into each chapter. Um, so the structure here will kind of, you know, go over each of the chapters, maybe skim over some of the shorter, uh, less interesting ones and maybe get in more depth into the um, more interesting ones and discuss the characters brought up in each of those chapters. Um, so yeah, the first uh, proper story chapter um, is called Before the Beginning and After. Um, essentially, this is uh, the beginning of the gods. Um, so it's actually Odin, Odin being the main god, it's, it's his father. Um, being created and I think it's it's something to do with um, a cow um, licking the, the life tree um, that cre- creates the gods it's, it's quite an interesting <laughs> creation story um, and then I think the milk of the cow then feeds um, so the, the, the character is uh, Ymir um, spelt Y-E-M-I-R um, you then have uh, Bray um, who is the ancestor of all the gods so uh, Barry's grandchildren would be Odin, Vili, and Ve. Um, so what we probably know from, um, most people would would be familiar with Odin from the Marvel comics um, and from the Marvel films. Um, but Vili and Ve are the brothers of Odin, um, who we do meet in this, uh, in this book. Um, so people might not be as familiar with them, but Odin being the main, the main character here. Um, so they eventually then kill uh, Ymir. Um, they they take over and become the gods. Um, so th- this actually, I want the reason I wanted to discuss um, this part in particular is this is very similar to what happens in Greek mythology. Um, so people who've read um, uh, what's what's the name of that book? Uh, Mephos. Is it Mephos? Is it Mephos? Yeah, Mythos. Yeah, Mythos. Yeah, Mythos by. Um, Stephen, Stephen Fry. Fry. Uh, if you've re- read that, they talk about you know, the beginning of the Greek gods, in which Zeus and uh, I can't remember who his brothers and sisters are, but uh, Poseidon and Hades, they actually end up killing. Um, Kranos is or cr- their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Kranos. Yeah, they end up killing them to uh, take over. So it's very similar kind of beginning in terms of the children killing their parents and their grandparents. Um, which I thought was quite quite interesting. The two civilizations fought like kind of fought the same, uh, and there's another interesting one which comes up later with the create, creation of humans, um, which of course um, shares similarities with Christian belief in how humans were created, the first two humans. But we'll talk about that when we get to that chapter. Um, but I just always find it quite interesting when you have overlap and like things like that. You wonder did they just come up with the same idea twice, or did they like you know did the Vikings? You know, were they influenced by the ancient Greeks? Um, it's just quite, quite or interesting. Was it real? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did it actually happen at both times? Yeah. Does it all come from both the? Both times, does it yeah. all come from the same source material? I, I would say, at a guess, it probably all comes from the same place, and then they sort of adapted it to fit their own uh, sort of society. I would guess. So I would guess certain things really did happen, like. Um, and most religions and mythologies, there's always like a big flood story. So there probably was this epic proportion flood that was mythologized. So I think st- stuff like that yeah. w- would all, all be adapted. And, but it would be applied to the different 
the different gods and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, I just think it's so interesting when you see um, we links again. Yeah, I think the floods is mentioned in Mythos. There's like a flood, and obviously we have the the Noah flooding and uh, kind of like uh, Christian and Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. So she they continue on this chapter. Then um, the uh, Odin uh, they eventually create the first humans. Um, so that's Ask and Embla, um, which take the names from the Ash Tree and the Elm Tree, which they're made from. And these are the first two people. So yeah, like I was mentioned there, these kind of contrast of the first two, Adam and Eve, um, from Christianity. Um, it's funny that they, you know, it seems like a lot of cultures start, you know, just with two people. I guess that's probably is how it started. Well, um, and, and like that's how they believed it started because you know you had to have the two, they make four. But then you always think then what's going on? Like because if it goes with two, then it's going to be have to mean that all your children are going to have to breed together some amount that i'm breeding yeah yeah so yeah going on yeah yeah i mean it's it's but it's funny that the auto, it wasn't thought through yeah <laughs> but, but yeah i mean the the norse mythology of course now it's just a bunch of stories for us but i mean this was their religion like this is what the you know the people living in scandinavia and iceland and stuff back uh about a thousand years ago this is what they did believe in um yeah. so it's quite interesting you know that they you know, thought that this was all going on. You know, you just wonder how all this starts. Like, who's the first person that comes up with these stories? Like, um, I guess yeah. once once you have like a base for these kind of stories, you know, it just grows and grows over hundreds of years. But yeah, it's just it's just funny to see where it all came from. Yeah, things things are added on gradually over time. That through through retellings, things are developed. I don't, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then the next chapter, then I think is. Um, Another interesting well, one. Sorry, but b- before we move on, um, the, just just the first thing that kind of I kept coming back to, right? And it sort of starts with this chapter, I suppose. So, Emir is the ancestor of all the giants, right? But he's also mm-hmm. the ancestor of all the gods. Is that right? I believe so. Right. So then, because I, I kept wondering this the whole way through the book. So, the gods and the giants are basically the same thing. Then. Yeah, I think, I think there's. So I, I don't actually. Yeah, so so that I don't think Emira's ancestor of gods. Oh, I thought he was just no. Yeah, or, sorry. They were just. Yeah, Ymir is the ancestor of all the giants, and Bury is the ancestor of all gods. Okay, because because yeah. maybe I must have missed that then because this this was one of the issues that I had because the gods and the giants are fighting all the time and the and the book kind of makes it clear that they're not they're different, right? And, and, and stuff yeah and I was like oh. but then I, yeah it, just, it was just kind of grating on me that you know that I was like but the gods must be giants as well and I kept yeah I kept coming back to it but glad we, glad we sorted that out yeah so the Ymir the ancestor of all the giants and um, Bury the ancestor of all the gods they were both created when the cow um, licked this tree or whatever right I, I think like the giants because in a lot of stories giants are just giants but and in norse mythology it seems like they are on an even pedigree they're like on the same hierarchical or high hierarchical i can't even get the word on <laughs> you know they're on the you know they're on the same level as the gods but um because because what you always imagine is the gods are on the very top yeah it seems like they're they're fairly giants are fairly even towards them and I, there's even in the stories we find out they even excel against them in some ways. 
And uh, one thing I just wanted to say about this beginning too that I found interesting was the the fact that um, Ask and Embla were were made from the trees. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of symbolism and stuff towards trees, and a lot of we have the we'll get on to the next part with uh, Yggdrasil, but um, it's interesting because uh, you know the tree tree is life and everything, and it also makes me think of the game Elden Ring, which is it's, it's I wonder. How much that that tree from Norse mythology? Yeah, it's Tons, a, it's say a lot. Yeah, I would say. yeah. You see, you see Yggdrasil in, in in all sorts of media, like par- like not parodies, but sort of copies. Um. So the next tra- chapter is um, Yggdrasil and the nine worlds. Um. So yeah, we've mentioned uh, Yggdrasil there a few times. Um. So it's the world tree. Um. And there's, I don't think there's any mention of how it was made or where you know it was created from. It's just kind of always existed. Um, and then the nine realms exist around its roots, um, so they essentially spawn from there. So the realms um, that were introduced to, um, the ones you might be familiar with from the um, Marvel is Asgard, is the home of the gods. And then you also have Jotunheim, is the home of the giants. Um, so that's like the cold place that Thor and Loki travel day a few times, right? The the film series of Thor. Um, and then you have other realms. Then, um, um, like Helheim is supposed to be hell, um, similar to the Christian hell idea of hell. And then you have one important place is Midgard, and that is essentially. Uh, earth for us you know it's where the humans live and that's in between asgard and jotunheim and then midgard is linked to asgard with via the the bifrost or bifrost as he pronounces it there but i know it's pronounced bifrost in uh, uh thor films um so that's that rainbow bridge so in terms of the gods you also have then the gods are split and they it seems two um Sides it seems to have the the Aesir, so that would be odin thor and all but you also have the vanir and then the giants as well are seem to they kind of are as powerful as the gods as well, um, but they seem to be the kind of the bad guys almost. But some of the stories don't uh, they, they're not always, but it seems to be a constant conflict between um, the gods and the giants, um, as we'll see in most of the chapters. It's usually the underlying kind of uh, story. I think Asgard being probably the most uh, betrayed place um, in most things. Uh, yeah, we do see it in the Thor series, and it is of course the famous Valhalla is like a a drinking hall where warriors and heroes are supposed to go after they die, um, where normal people and people that die of old age or sickness go to uh, uh, Nilfheim, or sorry Helheim. So. Do you have any thoughts about uh, any of the nine worlds or the any ideas about the Yggdrasil, the world tree? Well, this this is where my second problem comes in, <laughs> because as it says, I was trying to flesh out the world in my in my brain, and the the concept of the nine worlds is like I could I couldn't wrap my head around it because they travel between these worlds all the time, right? But I'm like, how do they? Where do these? How are these worlds separated, right? Are they like? different planets are they different dimensions what you know what are they and i was like how are they traveling between them and you know that was something i just couldn't grab my head around yeah i think i think like the so the, they're supposed to all be at the roots of the, tr- the tree and i don't think like you can travel 
directly you know through the middle of the tree you can only travel around it essentially um that's kind of the, i seen a picture there that looked like that was the idea but i'm not sure if that's the case this uh, book doesn't go too much into the traveling aspect between words um i know that yeah, the, the, that that's kind of what i mean like it, it sort of suggested that the you know the characters are traveling between it but it doesn't say how or anything or it doesn't go in depth and for me I, I like things to be like well <laughs> established yeah, yeah the, the, the rule the rules of space travel essentially um yeah I, I think yeah it's supposed to kind of be different almost different dimensions like you have to go through a gate to get to the other one it's not like you can just travel like like space where you can say travel in from any direction to get to something yeah it's, it's more of a case of yeah you have to go through a gate um, so I know the Bifrost um, is the gate to, from Asgard to Midgard but um, I think in the Thor series the, the Bifrost seems to be able to transport them to anywhere like Jotunheim and wherever they want to go so I'm not sure how it's supposed to work um, don't know Michael do you have any ideas on this? Uh, I don't really think about it to be honest um, <clears throat> I can kind of I just suspended my dis- my sense of disbelief for it uh, It's I think it's um, if I wanted to explain it, I would probably just say, you know, they used a, a portal or or, so, or or something like that. Um, I don't uh, no, I, I don't need the rules as established for myself. I can just uh, I kind of just wave that stuff away, to be honest. Yeah, just accept, well, see, accept it. I, I could accept it, right? But I don't for in, in other circumstances. But here, for some reason, I just I couldn't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I kept being like, but how are they getting between them? <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. No, fair enough. Like, I, I guess, like, yeah, like, I think me and Michael have said before that this book doesn't go too into depth. What you need is like a, a more historic book on this that maybe discusses yeah. sometimes like too. The, like, there seems to be a lot of stuff in Norse mythology they don't know. Like I said, there the World Tree. You know, no one knows where it comes from. Um, maybe they just kind of never because because maybe it wasn't important to them either. You know, the peop- the uh, Vikings or whatever that made up this these stories. They just they were just like ah you just travel here and there you know it doesn't matter you just go through a door yeah. they probably because they weren't thinking about space travel and stuff as we will talk about later too they don't even they don't even know the future of their own mythology it's just like yeah it's kind of left open ended then isn't it yeah so this the next chapter then is kind of one of the main um, or one of the most interesting ones I think in terms of um, how something came to be and that's it's called uh, Mimir's head and Odin's eye. Um, and essentially it's the story of how Odin lost his eye. Um, so you always see him um, in the Thor Marvel films. It's um, Andy Hopkins. He always has like a, his eye bandage or like an eye patch on. It's just, I don't think they ever talk about it in the show or in the movie. But um, yeah, essentially this is the story of how he loses his eye. And I think it's a bit stupid <laughs> of a story, which is why I like it so much. Just, <laughs> you, you think it's probably going to be in battle or something like that. You know, he gets stabbed in the eye. But it's actually, he sacrifices his eye in order to be able to drink from the well of wisdom. Um, and that's why, you know, I think one of his names is like, you know, the all, the, the all wise or whatever like that. Um, well, it's the all father, but he's also yeah. like something to do with wisdom. Um, is it all seeing as well? All seeing, all like that? seeing, that's it. Yeah, so he's supposed to be extremely wise and he can like see, um, I don't know if it's like into the future or whatever. I don't think he has that power, but he, you know, can see what's going on in different worlds at this time and things like that. He just has like he's. Just, I think there is a good um, comparison there, and J.R. Token, J.R. Token um, admitted that you know Lord of the Rings and stuff was heavily influenced from Norse mythology, and the character of like Gandalf can really compare to Odin. 
um, in terms of, like he just seems to know all the answers all the time like you know and he's just like this powerful being um, but he's not they're not like the, the thing about the Norse gods is they're not like immortal they're not like all powerful and invincible they can die um, yeah which uh, one of the stories we'll get on day as well um, but like it's like this pure wise figure that you just don't know how they know all this knowledge but I guess at least this story tells us how um, Odin sacrificed his eye to become this character yeah this is a this is a bit of a shorter chapter as well but it's um yeah it was interesting and just as in terms of a as an origin story and uh it's a it's it's interesting throughout these uh these stories how goofy that the the norse gods are because my my area of uh I wouldn't call myself an expert on any mythology, but if I, the closest I am would probably be in Greek mythology, and there, there is less slapstick, and it's quite a, it's a lot more brutal, and there's not as much fun I would say in Greek mythology, unless I don't know some of the lesser known stories and stuff. But that's something I find interesting. I always find interesting about these stories. They're very whimsical and silly at times. I wanted to know more about Mimir. Why is he trying to drink? Why is why is he hanging out by that well all the time? I believe that's his whale, his well. Ah, uh, but like uh, he's Odin's <laughs> uncle. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I like the chapter. It was, it was, yeah. There's a lot in there to like unpack, like mysteries around you know why, like I says, why is Mimir hanging out by the well? Um, why does Odin want to sacrifice his eye? You know, all this here. Um, and then there, there's stuff about the war too, isn't there, in this chapter? There's a war that goes on between the two types of gods or something? Yeah, so I think what happens is then Mimir, he gets sent to the, the Vanir, um, who are the other, so Odin and all are the Aesir, so the Vanir are the other gods. Um, and they kill him and actually send his head back to Odin. Um, Mimir. Yeah, so I can't remember, is that like a, that's like a bat, like they're sending his head back, like Odin liked him, you know. Because it was an uncle, like, but he, it wasn't like Odin was asking for his head. They were doing that, yeah, as part of this war. Kind of goes on between them. Yeah, and then he leaves the he leaves the head in the well, and just to, 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 yeah, the stew for a, for a couple <laughs> hundred years. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Like? Uh. So the next the next story, um, I think this one again is another origin of something that I quite enjoy. You know, how did this happen? That's the called the treasure of the gods. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite I, stories. I yeah. think this is my favorite. Yeah. Of all of them, yeah. This one's it's quite an entertaining story. So what happens is uh, Loki essentially cuts uh, the hair of Thor's wife, Sif. Um, I'm assuming this is some kind of prank or whatever. Um, in order then, you know, to make up for the damage, um, uh, Loki makes a wager with two groups of dwarf smiths. Um, so that's the sons of Ivaldi and the brothers Brock and Aethir. Um and the, the wager is that they should they have to create the best treasure and then the gods will decide what's the best. And Loki wants them to, you know, make this this hair as part of one of the gifts. Um but you know, without them knowing that he all he's interested in is getting his hair back for stuff. Um but on this they actually end up creating a lot of the um uh items that way you can associate associate with the gods so i think there's the there's the ring on odin's arm i think it's called dropnir and it's you know every nine days it like drips eight rings of equal beauty and value um i'm not sure then (laughs) one of the questions i would like to know is do those eight 
rings then also drip more rings what i what i picture <laughs> is like you know the in harry potter <laughs> the uh, multiplying treasure yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah, i can't yeah, picture yeah. i did too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I wouldn't. I would say they don't. I think because he he mentioned who was it mentioned it was it Brock that says to, you can give him out his gifts. Yeah. Or was it one of the who, which I can't remember which side of doors made that one, but but yeah, you could you give him out his gifts or like you know rewards or something. So yeah, probably wouldn't be good then if they all had the same power. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's kind of like money. Yeah. yeah. So you know they just made uh, Odin the money printer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think each of the gifts is supposed to like bestow some kind of power, and this power is you know the power of wealth. Yeah, um, I think another you have obviously they should have lost for that. <laughs> sure, <laughs> the the hair of course, and then I think you have the spear for Odin, um, which you do see him within the uh, Marvel films as well. I think that's Glaipnir, you call it. Yeah. Um, I think if you make like the the thing about the spears, it will always have its mark if it's thrown. And also any oath that swore upon it cannot be broken. I'm assuming that's kind of like the unbreakable promise in Harry Potter, that uh, if you break it, you die. Um, yeah. I don't, again, discuss too much about that. I think one of the stories does go on, does, there is an oath swore on it, so... Um, that happens a few times, yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting <laughs> power they bestow upon this item, like, but sure. Um, but I think then the, the what we're... Mainly, what we talk about is the uh, hammer, Thor's hammer, uh, Mjolnir. Um, I think this is where a bit of the comedy and stuff comes on. You know, for you know, Loki hasn't told anybody that this is his plan to get the hair back. But I'm assuming they're hopefully the other gods can work it out because the hair is one of the gifts. But then Thor's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, actually, you know what? I really like this hammer. Um, yeah. <laughs> Loki's like, well, what about your, uh, you know, your, your wife's hair? And he's kind of like, oh. yeah. Uh, well, you know, this hammer's pretty good, though. Um, <laughs> oh, well, to, to cut in on why, why Loki's so, like, invested on who wins, by the way. Uh, so so he goes to the two groups of dwarves, and he, he, he says to one of them to make the hair and stuff. But then, Loki being Loki, he tries to play the two dwarves against each other for a bit of madness. Right? So, you know, so he tells one of them that the other one, the other group thinks that they're better than them, essentially, right? And this this one set of so the dwarfs Brock and Atri uh, kind of don't th- think that he's up to something, rightfully so. And Brock uh, does a wager with him that if they win, then they get his head. So Loki wants them to lose the the contest. Yeah. And yeah, as and they, actively saying, actively tries to sabotage them. Yeah, so he actively tries to sabotage them, and he presents when they when Thor gets presented with Mjolnir. You know, he's like, "This is the best gift ever," yeah. and Loki's kind of upset. <laughs> Tries to, ch- you know, change everybody's mind because his life hangs in the balance on the dis- based on the decision. Yeah, yeah. I think that the hammer too, you know, it has this. It's like it is the one that's shown in the Marvel shows. You know, it's the small hammer, and they actually go on about that. He's like, "Well, why is this hammer so small?" And they're like, "Well, it's still powerful, and it comes back to you. you know wherever you throw it, it will yeah. always come back." He has to use it. He has to use it one handed, which was is like. It, it's supposed to be a defect, but it's part of what what makes it such a cool weapon as well. Yeah, no, he yeah. has another free hand. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it's so short is because Loki was trying to mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was trying yeah. to sabotage him. <clears throat> yeah, I really like this chapter because, like, um, we get—I think—we get such a strong sense of character 
for, of Loki and Thor in this chapter. And uh, like the fact that Loki cuts off Sev's hair and he just says, I did it because it was funny. And that's, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just such a, such a Loki thing to do. And then um, Thor, I think, threatens to break his bones one by one and everything. And like Thor, we get one, one by one every day. Yeah. Or something like that, yeah. We get the impression for is a he's a bit of a, a goofball, just like in the Marvel movies, but he's also he's also quite scary, quite imposing, like. But um yeah, I love I love this chapter, especially the the sticks and everything of, of Loki's of Loki's well being hanging in the balance while they assess these gifts and then it's just it is it is the comedic uh the way that it's like four is just waving away his hand saying yes yes my li- wife has lovely hair but he's like enamored by, <laughs> by his hammer i i like how loki weasels his way out of it too because he, he loses the bet then and yeah. brock and atria are declared the winners because of mjolnir but the way, what is it the, the way he gets out of it is by saying that um they can't cut they can't cut his neck it, they can't cut his neck, yeah. Yeah, they they, they have they to only, take his head, without, his head without touching his neck. Yeah, but obviously they they can't do that. What is it they do then? Again, like, yeah. they they tie a bit of leather or something around his neck, and he he runs off. <laughs> oh, he is it, like, he becomes a horse, doesn't he? <laughs> like he, huh? he, he becomes a horse or something like that. Then doesn't he? And like, that's how he hides for like years. Yeah, and then he disappears for a while. Yeah. And, of course, we'll come back to that in one of the next three, three chapters. The next chapter, yeah, yeah. So, I think the next chapter in the Master Builder, so it's it's the, some essentially some builder comes in and says that he, he can build um, this wall, and Loki comes up with the idea of, you know, there's no way he can build this wall. You know, they want the wall around Asgard to protect it from, I think, the Frost Giants and things. And this builder says he can do it. Loki's, like, we, we should take advantage of this situation um because there's no way he can build this wall you know what we'll do is he'll he'll build most of it for us and then we can uh, just continue where he left off um i think the builder he asks for uh, the sun the moon and the goddess freya as his rewards but of course everyone's kind of you know loki being very convincing and stuff um convinces everyone that okay well we'll just go ahead with it um this guy is never going to be able to do it but it turns out that the guy's got this horse. Um, I don't even want to. It's Fal Svaldafari or something like that. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Svaldafari. <laughs> um, so this horse seems to um, be able to move bricks quite fast, and the the actual builder himself is a giant. Um, I'm assuming that he's like you know, he's covered his appearance in some way. He's appearing to them as he's not a giant. Like he's just a normal sized person, I guess. <laughs> Um, he's glamoured himself yeah. yeah but he's still got you know the abilities of a giant the strength and stuff um, and you know it becomes evident that he will complete this wall um, he's getting quite close um, then Loki um, oh so, so the, that was kind of a spoiler there this is where Loki turns himself into a mare um, so the, the horse oh, right, the yeah. giant's using is a male horse and then Loki essentially becomes a female horse and you know attracts this horse away and he can't finish the wall because of this so this this the giant then you know realizes he's been tricked and kind of loses the plot and then has a fight with Thor and Thor kills him. Um, so this story I thought was quite good, uh, just the actual general story. But I've just recently, just before rereading this, um, before I mentioned it, um, I was mentioning there that last week that I, or in the last episode that I was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and this is one of the stories that comes up on it. 
there's like a boy building uh, it's not exactly a wall it's more like a, a a structure that projects like a shield um but same idea it's like you can't, there's no way you can build the structure in time and then ends up building it and then you know he, he transforms into a giant then um, and fights you you're you're actually odin and that's so you, you fight odin instead but um same kind of idea uh, but um no it's it's quite a good story i think it's just again the story highlights you know loki's kind of trickery but then thor um coming on and being the hero and fighting this guy and saving the day essentially i didn't like the ending i wanted the giant to win <laughs> he was he was working so hard for that wall and it was nearly done and yeah he just he just murdered yeah him. the gods are kind of uh they're kind of dicks, aren't they yeah, they're 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 big okay. time, yeah. Yeah, they, they go back on their deals a lot, <laughs> like unnecessarily. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I like this chapter too. Like, um, per per Freya, as as seems to be like the subject of a lot of these bets and wagers. Yeah, like they they, they constantly like wager her hand in marriage because <laughs> she's the most beautiful or something. And she never gets to say either. It's, she never gets to say either. It's just like this is happening. Yeah, <laughs> tough luck, Freya. It's it's funny like how much it because you know like we all know that um like to get into Valhalla you have to be a great warrior and you have to die in an honorable way and so that's such a big thing about um you know uh the Vikings and stuff like that so it's it's funny that these stories aren't about just being the strongest or anything it's just about haha got you it's like so much of those these stories are like slight I outsmarted you and it just yeah. it, it shows what was kind of valued. That to be clever and to deceive, it was it made a good story. And just just to go back to what we were saying about Freya there, like um, I think that kind of lets the short the story show it's sort of you know the age that was it was written in you know like the, the woman just gets handed over to like you know yeah be taken away to get married kind of thing yeah and uh, four again is being quite murderous here we we see this several times where he just he he just brutally kills some people so he's a goofball at one time and then he's just a complete murderer at other times yeah i think um another funny thing about this is that loki obviously was there to attract away this horse but then at the end of it he gives birth <laughs> to a child so you know he also <laughs> yeah. he was very committed to this uh, distraction <laughs> you have to commit to the bit that's that's the thing about loki he commits to the bit yeah yeah whatever it takes <laughs> because <laughs> because again right because again the the gods told him like you messed this up because he it was loki's idea that to make him do it even faster for, for right, like yeah. no reason other than they could do it faster <laughs> um so they they i think they were gonna kill him or something yeah. so he, he had to be coming to the bit yeah maybe he took it a wee bit too far but <laughs> you know okay um so the next chapter then um another interesting chapter that is called the children of loki um, essentially Loki has three children with a giantess um, so this is him um, again going out doing devious things and creating these, they're actually described as monstrous children and he, I think in the Marvel films he's, he, like Loki's like he's born part, he's like part giant or something I'm not sure if that's yeah. discussed I think he is in this too yeah, I, think, is. I think it was mentioned at the start that Loki's half giant, half god right, or something yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so essentially, yeah, it's, I guess it's not as bad for him, but I'm assuming that, you know, because the giants and the gods are enemies, you know, fraternizing with them in any kind of way, especially having children with them is, is, is definitely frowned upon. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the children, so we'll go through each one of them. Um, so first you have uh, Fenrir, which is the giant wolf, um, who does appear in the Marvel books or uh, the Marvel shows. Um, I think it's in the, is it the, 
The Dark Fate? What, what do you call that one? Or The Dark World, the Dark whatever World. that movie's called. Does he, eh? I yeah, don't remember Fenrir so beard in that, yeah. Yeah, so there's a giant... I think it's... You know that one Kate Blanchett plays? Um, the sister? She plays Hell, yeah. Uh, that's... Uh, is that not Ragnarok, no? Ah, uh, yeah, it's Ragnarok as well, yeah. So the, the big... I don't remember Fenrir in that, I don't know. He's like, no. He runs across the bridge, um, the Bifrost. Watch it again. Anyway, he's on that. Um, but um, I think the, the thing with Fenrir is that he just keeps growing. And he essentially keeps challenging the gods. They, they tie him up. Um, and he's going to be able to break any chain. And then they essentially trick him into being bound with uh, some chain called Glepnir. And it's made by the dwarves and it's unbreakable. Um, but I, I, I like the whole way that that's done. You know, he's kind of like, we're going to tie you up with this rubble. And Fenrir knows it's kind of, he senses the trick. So he's like, okay, um, I want one of the gods to put their hand in my mouth. And then if I can't break free, you can untie me. And if you don't untie me, then um, I'll, the god will lose his hand. Um, and the god that does it is Tyr. So he's the god of war. Um, he's the one that actually raises Fenrir. Um, and what, what happens is the, the other gods don't care. You know, they don't untie him. And let tear lose his hand. So I think it's yeah. you can see that the gods, you know, they, yeah, they're, as we just said before, they are dicks, like they're just not yeah. they're not nice to each other either. Like they're just kind of <laughs> the way they treat each other. Whereas you know, tear did that because he had this bond with the wolf. At this point, do we know about the prophecy with Fenrir and everything that he is going to play a, a big role in Ragnarok? That's what I was going to bring up. I think so. The reason they start tying him up is at first he, he they tie him up the first time and then he he sort of starts keeps you know keeps asking for it after that to prove how strong he is um but the first time i think it's because odin has a prophecy or something that fenrir is going to kill him yeah. he's going to eat is the world right? eat the sun yeah. or something isn't he he's going to uh, he's going to eat, eat, eat the, the, eat the, the, sun, eat the sun yeah so so to stop that from happening he says okay we'll, we'll tie him up then yeah yeah but at the end i think it's at the end of the story Fenrir says, you know, I would have been happy enough if he had I just left me alone. <laughs> so he creates, so yeah, he creates created, the own, created, yeah. That is always the case with those kind of omens, isn't it? Like, those omens yeah. are always, like, whenever you, like, believe this prophecy is going to happen, like, say, Harry Potter, yeah, this, you know, Voldemort believes his child is going to kill him, his staying and trying to remove this child is exactly what leads to him getting killed by him in the end. Spoiler. Yeah. yeah is, is that a self-fulfilling prophecy or something like that? Yeah, Where, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you've been told about the prophecy, it happens, kind of thing. That's interesting to yeah. see how old these kind of these stories are. The self-fulfilled prophecy story is, you know, goes back, but even before these times, like it's yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh, poeticism about it. I also like how they made the chain, the one, the final chain. I just not 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 how they made it, but what it's made of. It's like a well, it's, it's like a ribbon. It's not a chain. It's more it's, like yeah. Do you guys remember that? Well, it's. The, it's the, it's the saliva it's of a baker, or something, isn't it? Or the well, that's that's what I, that's what I was going to say. It's all the different, all things that don't exist now. Like like you know, they say the beard of a woman or the roots of a mountain. Or yeah, I think the breath of a fish was another one. Yeah, and then Neil Gaiman says uh, he's like, uh, "You say you have not seen these things? Of course you haven't. They were all used up in the in yeah. the forming of the of the chain, which was cool. I like that. I thought yeah. that was really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a quite a nice um, part of the book. So I think then the other children, um, who I think Fenrir being you know the main one, um, yeah, the most interesting one. But then there's the sea serpent, uh, Jormungandr, um, yeah. who's tossed the into Midgard the sea. Serpent. And, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so essentially, the serpent's supposed to be massive and surrounds the whole of Midgard. And then we will see Thor does 
battle the serpent later um, and then Hel um, who is I guess is quite an important one who Odin then appoints as the ruler of Helheim which is the realm of the dead there is a story then later about Hel so we'll maybe go back, come back and talk about her later I didn't think that the, the only criticism for this chapter I have is that the, there wasn't enough on the other two children uh, Hel and Jormungandr yeah. It kind of it does centre on Fenrir, and I did want to see more. Maybe not so much about Jormungandr because it's just a big snake, and it doesn't. I don't think it speaks or anything. Yeah, I think. Well, <laughs> I think that Jormungandr does appear in that later story. They both do, and then Hell has more of a full story, whereas Jormungandr again just kind of appears in another story. Yeah. Um, yeah. The fact he plays uh, such a an important role in Ragnarok too, he, should, he probably should be set up a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And also, why does Loki's children? Why are Loki's children monsters? Because <laughs> he had them with a giant ass. Because that the horse child that he has also has eight legs. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm just, I'm not concerned. I think it's because he commits an act of like an atrocious act. He creates right. monsters. Is kind of the is is what my interpretation of it was. I see. He was obviously smoking around his pregnant wife. Like. He was also <laughs> cheating on his his actual wife. I know. Yeah. So it's it's the whole bastard thing, I guess, right? What I wanted to say about this chapter too is I uh, I think um I love Neil Gaiman's Fenrir voice. I think it it's really terrifying. It's it's really a great. I think uh some of his voices, you know, Thor is really good as well, but the Fenrir I think is probably the best one he does in the book, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I would agree. So the next chapter is Freya's unusual wedding. Um, so this there's not too much for me. I don't have too much to say about this. I just do like that, um, you know, this is a funny chapter again, Loki and Thor, they both dress up as like goddesses, they trick, they trick um, the giant, so the giant is essentially being promised um, Freya again, um, as we say, yeah, she gets promised many times, um, because uh, the, the giant has stole Thor's hammer and he wants Freya's hand in marriage as a condition to return it to Thor. Um, so Thor and Loki both dress up as goddesses to trick the giants, um, so Thor dresses up as Freya and then Loki dresses up as like some kind of handmaiden or whatever and yeah they go to the feast and all and the the giants like like thor dressed up as this woman's just like eating piles as he normally does and drinking loads and the, the giant's just like jesus how's this how's this woman doing this um, <laughs> i think it's just it's it's yeah it's just a, com- a kind of chapter of comedy for me yeah it's just a bit of comic relief amid all these stories yeah that's really good um i couldn't help but i can't i can't help in all of these chapters picture and um Chris Hemsworth and uh, what do you call him? What's Lo- the actor who does Loki again? Um, it's, uh, Tom Riddleson. I can't remember. Tom Huddleston. Uh, Tom Huddleston. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's I, Tom, Tom Riddleston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Hemsworth and, and Tom Huddleston. Yeah, I, that's all I could picture. Chris Hemsworth and drag and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just consuming these these salmon and then pulling them out with the bones. I thought that was great imagery and everything. I actually do think the the uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hulson are actually brilliant. Like they're just perfectly, like they perfectly portray the characters described in these stories. Like, like the way um, yeah Chris Hemsworth is like pure jacked and all, and then he's but he has got this like stupid kind of you know just kind of yeah. that really brooding but stupid voice, and then Loki's just kind of this skinny, clever. Yeah, I just think they just they do those roles brilliantly. Like if they're reading, or yeah, the, the, Mar- kinda, the Marvel depictions. Yeah, they are yeah, great. I, yeah, it's kind of just the faces now I use when I'm reading this every, for every story. Yeah, I tried to not do that um, because obviously it would be it would be too hard, you know, or it would be too 
I don't know. I think I thought it would like ruin the story if I did that, you know, because I've been just yeah. making comparisons the whole time. Yeah, and I wanted to, to to be fresh sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, anything else here? Just Thor murdering again, like at, at the end. Just... Nope. Here I go killing again. Yeah, yeah. Here I go killing again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we're, I guess we'll we'll skip over the the next chapter, the Meet of Poets. Um, I think all three of us are in agreement that it wasn't the most exciting chapter, and we didn't enjoy it too much. So. <laughs> so the next chapter um, Thor's journey to the land of the giants um, Thor and Loki they end up uh, find themselves in a giant's uh, I think it's a castle or a fort or something and they're eating and drinking with the family and the, the family um, want to uh, punish or no Loki tricks uh, he, he tricks how do you pronounce that name again? Thialvi Thialvi the Alvey, so Loki tricks him into eating bone marrow and then uh, convinces Thor. Um, it's take... bone marrow of one of Thor's like pet goats. Yeah, yeah, something. yeah. So he uh, yeah, wants to uh, convince Thor to take him and his sister as servants. Um, bond so servant, they, they travel it? to this. Huh? I think they I called it a bond servant, wasn't it? That was the term used. Oh, uh, yeah, bond servant. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so they travel to this uh, castle. So I think it's Utgarda Ud- Loki, um, yeah. which I always think is funny, just having the name of Loki in it. But <laughs> no, that's that's the guy's name. That's that I think. Oh, that's that's, that, that's, that is, that's yeah. the giant's name. So it's I his, don't know if it's his his castle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess... think the ca- I think the castle is just called Ud- Utgard. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, I think the entertaining part of this is when. Uh, Thor's tricked into doing the contest that he essentially cannot win, but he doesn't know that. So, I think yeah. the first contest is like a drinking one. Yeah. He has to drink from this horn that's a, a very large horn of meat, and yeah. he drinks out of it and takes a like massive, massive gulp. And then he looks at it and it's barely moved and stuff. And uh, the second one, what's the second task? Second task is um, is it Fialvi? Fialvi has a wrestling. speed challenge. Uh, Loki, That's what it is. Loki has to has an eating challenge, and then Thor has another one where he he wrestles against like a nanny or something. He does. Yeah. He, Thor does three though. I think does he do three? He does the drinking one. He does the speed English. one. Fialvi, mm-hmm. the bond servant. I think because no, because I think he says like Thor. It's it's all about Thor. I think he makes Thor do more, like three as well. Yeah, so he does. He, he does the, yeah, because I know what the actual outcome is. So he does the speed challenge. Um, he has to race, I think, and he loses. And then the last one is he has to wrestle the uh, old woman, um, who's supposed to be a giant, but she's like because she's old, she's more or less the same height oh, as Thor. The second Thor challenge was that he had he left uh, Utgarda Loki's cat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, like bench press his cat. There. That's right. So yeah. I thought, I think the the underlying meaning then the first one is that he's drinking the ocean and the fact I think the Edgar Loki says you know the fact that it went down at all means you took like a small part of the ocean like it's incredible that he was able to drink it. What I love like about this story is that um, the gods are all like these they're all made out to be these massive failures because they miserably fail the contests and the giants are like he basically makes out that oh well this is like kid stuff here you're you're pathetic and everything. But then it turns out to be all a great illusion, and yeah, like Thor wasn't just drinking from a horn; he was he was drinking the ocean, and he actually took down the ocean to a degree where they were worried that he would drain the entire ocean, and also caused like tides to exist. Yeah, as well. 
and the woman he wrestles against was actually it, it's not just some frail nanny it was old age itself so he held his own against time and old age and, and loki loki's eating contest he could consume as fast as wildfire could consume and i think it was fialvi could he could run as fast as fought so it was like these stories yeah. that that they like kind of emasculated them originally but then it turned out now you're 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 badasses and everything yeah, but it was like yeah. a cool twist and everything can't get, quite remember what the whole left and the cat one was supposed to be but yeah I can't remember that but i i sort of copped on halfway th- i think it was during the uh the drinking challenge for thor that it was all an illusion because right, we'd yeah. see, already seen in one of the other stories that the that the giants can do that you know, the uh, Master Builder one. I was, I was like, okay, this is obviously a trick here. This is the same chapter where Thor is just like smashing him with a hammer while while he sleeps as well, isn't it? And he keeps waking <laughs> up and he's like, oh, I, I think a fly landed on me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They put a mountain or something on between him and Thor and then he like shows him the valley yeah. where there's big like dips in the valley. He's like, yeah, that was because you were hitting the hammer. Obviously your hammer would have killed me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I, I love this story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an absolute brilliant chapter. I think it's probably probably is my favorite chapter. I think it's up there. I still think the the gifts one is my favorite, but this one might be a close second. Yeah, yeah. Just the heritage of Thialvi. I was again. I wasn't sure what he was. <laughs> you need to stop. Was he about, about these these heritages and just accept them? Yeah. Like it's I, I I I did in the end, but like it's it's just it's the sort of inquisitive nature of my mind. I'm just like, but what? I think it's the How fact you... too that. Like I've I've read like Greek mythology and there's stuff that makes way less sense than anything in here. It's like like how the Milky Way was formed by I can't remember which goddess it was, but like milk spraying from her boob, and then you're like, okay, <laughs> I, I, I I guess that makes sense. Like, that makes so, perfect sense to me. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> so I I I, I don't think compared to compared to some other mythology, I thought this was all easier to swallow. No, listen, I, I I I was okay with it, but it just had me wondering. Yeah, I suppose that's that's what books are supposed to do, like. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll never get an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm going to skip the next two, the apples of an immortality, and the story of Jared and Frey. Um, again, yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah. These weren't too um, engaging in terms of chapters. Um, and we don't have many left, so I want to get to these last four chapters. I think are all quite good. Um, so the first of those is the is Hymir and Thor's fishing expedition. Just just when I heard the title of this chapter, I knew it was going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it's 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 kind of like a simple task, but you just know how you, like you know these gods and giants performing the simple task of fishing. It's just going to. It just it just seems so funny, like you know two gods go on a fishing expedition. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, what. Yeah. I, I like what I think about this is. So they, they go into the giant's house and the uh, the female giant basically says that the the, the husband's going to be home soon and he's going to he, he doesn't take kind lady um, non giants or whatever like whenever he's cranky or something like that so hide under this until you know we get him under the house and get him chilled out and stuff and then uh, she introduces him and introduces Thor as Thor <laughs> and then he's like. Thor, the, yeah. the, the, the giant killer, and I was like, no, no, Thor. And I was like, you don't really do a good job there. Like, it, you made his mind jump straight to Thor. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was a, a funny, a funny part of this story. Yeah, you don't take kindly to your types around here. I think then this is they go on the fishing trip, and you know the giants kind of like expecting Thor is not going to be able to survive the cold. 
um, and stuff like that. But Thor's like not a new baller. Um, so it's another case of you know the the kind of underestimating the power. But again, I don't think the obviously the giant at the stage doesn't know that he's Thor. So maybe he's just thinking he's just a regular guy, and they'll never be. So I think from this, you know, he's kind of realizing. But this is the only other place then, or the, apart from the last chapter, the Ragnarok one, that we see the the serpent. Um, so I think Thor saves the giant and then carries him, carries him home. Um, so from this giant thinking Thor is going to be useless in this situation, ends up saving him. But then I think the the whole idea was to get um, this giant cauldron, which the 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 giant uses the brew like eels and stuff, and like it can just brew it automatically. Um, and he needs to take that back to Asgard. Um, but what is there's a challenge then? Like even though Thor saved the life, the giant's like, oh no, you can only have my cauldron if you if you can fish, yeah, if you can catch a big, bigger fish than me or something, yeah. Is it the, is it the catching the fish? Yeah, he challenges him to fishing and uh, Tear says to him, I hope you know what you're doing. And Thor's like, yeah, 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 fishing's easy, even though he'd never done it before. Uh, fair enough then. Anything else on this one? Again, uh, here I am again, right? So this there was earlier in the book, I'm nearly sure that Tear is mentioned as the son of Odin, right? But then in this chapter, he's the son of Hymir. And the, the giantess, and I got confused again. I, I'm <laughs> Small not sure. Detail. I, I, it's hard. It's it's hard to keep up with all these lineages. To be to be honest. Exactly, Michael. That's my main <laughs> problem. <laughs> yes, but I, uh, it's a good chapter. Uh, yeah. Trying trying to remember why they wanted the cauldron. No, I can't. I can't remember. Uh, but it's just another example of the gods being dicks, where they're just coming and take the giant's cauldron because they, they want it. <laughs> They just wanted for Valhalla to brew some ale. Yeah. But then Thor showing how much a badass is again. You know, it's just, these stories just seem to repeat these, you know, the gods are stars badass. Loki's clever and tricksy. (laughs) Repeat. Yeah, they seemed, seemed Loki's the biggest Yeah. Um, so the next chapter then, um, the death of Baldur. So I guess we were all probably crying in this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but this one was, uh, Baldur, who's, seems to be like one of the most beloved gods um he's having these nightmares that he'll die soon and then i think um he he, is, he dies by essentially getting hit by a dart by his own brother um <laughs> which i think's kind of funny because uh, i don't think the, the brother's not trying to hit him with the dart the, bro- he, the brother's blind yeah yeah the brother's blind yeah so he uh he ends up killing him but a missile uh, a mistletoe think, dart yeah yeah so it's like it's like um the, so Balder has these nightmares that he's going to die and his ma makes him in, in, invincible yeah Frigga basically like, makes all him... these promises to, to like different things you know, like trees and stuff that none of them will harm him uh, Fre- Frigg makes him invulnerable to everything except for mistletoe because she's like oh, well why, why even bother about that sure <laughs> of, of course Loki <laughs> finds out you know that this, this is his you know, if it's there to be found, Loki will find it. Like, this, so, yeah, this, this, is this is the is Death Loki's Star. Cleanse. This is the Death Star vent of this yeah. of this <laughs> universe. <laughs> Can we just like put a put a board over there? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Like, think of the resale value. There's nothing you where fools. no story story where someone's <laughs> completely invincible because obviously that wouldn't be entertaining. Like yeah. I think Superman's a good good un- you know where he's almost invincible. I hate but Superman. Kryptonite is yeah. supposed to be light years away, but it always somehow finds its way to Earth. So, <laughs> of course, Kryptonite. Yeah, exactly. Like of of all the places it could go in the whole universe, like you know, it's like on a collision course <laughs> with Earth every time. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's I think it's it's just a, again the story's kind of pointing at the cleverness of uh, Loki. But I think the other message too is you know the the underlying story of you know you do not kill a, your your brother or your relative. Um, Kinslaying, yeah, yeah, Kinslaying. It's it's seen as it's seen yeah as like a real crime. Yeah, because I know I know Loki is a he's like a bad he's like a, a pain in the neck to a lot of people. But this was like the first time he did something like really really evil because. Like he he just yeah. killed his 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 brother's son, or he was at yeah. least responsible for his death. So he, he's just fl- flat out evil in this chapter. He took a big leap from being a pest to being just evil. Well, but I I, I did like that he gets the blind kid to kill kill the you know the popular kid, yeah. the, the blind kid who nobody likes. Apparently, <laughs> I think that was mentioned as well. Nobody paid hard any attention. <laughs> he get, yeah. he gets him to kill the, the brother. I, I really like that one. Yeah, and I think does does doesn't the story go then like they have to rec- re- rescue him from hell, and hell says you know if you can get a if if you ask everyone and no one says that they don't like him, we can have him back. That's yeah, kind of an interesting. Disguises thing. himself again. If nobody weeps for Balder or something was yeah yeah it's, it's, be, uh, it's essentially because he was the most be- he was beloved by everyone. It's like if you can find someone, if you can, as long as you can find no one that doesn't like him, yeah, no one weeps for his death. You know, no one actually cares. So if you can't find someone like that, then I'll give him back. But if you find at least one person, um, then yeah, yeah he has to, he has to disguises himself again as like an old woman and says, "I don't, I don't want Balder back." <laughs> Hate that guy. Yeah, so it's another yeah show of Loki's intelligence, but also his mis- mischievous nature. Um, again, we're just we just go around in cycles of these <laughs> stories. I think he had a grudge there for some reason. Like Loki didn't like Balder for some reason. Yeah, I can't remember why he tries. To, he tricks him to kill him in the first place. Just banter. It's chaos. Just crack. <laughs> <laughs> per hard though. Per hard. Oh yeah, that that's what was, the the other thing I was gonna say is is Balder supposed to be like Achilles? Is that like a are we like nod there? Are they related somehow? I mean, it does like the 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 one weakness as an Achilles story, but I don't think there's any correlation beyond that. Mm. Like the Achilles heel. Well, does it? Again, which is another example of that uh, that uh, Death Star event, the one the one weakness. Yeah, but like, is is their deaths not even the same sort of thing as well, though? Oh well, I suppose. Like, yeah, I suppose. Is it, a Kelly takes an arrow to the knee. Arrow to the heel. <laughs> Skyrim. Skyrim. <laughs> or is bring, it a spear? Bring or something? that up in other media. I think the story, the actual, the one in Eliad is he gets hit there. Uh, they're just different stories on it. Ones that he gets, you know, the, the actual fallen Troy, he gets hit there, but then he gets three in the chest, but. I think the Elliot is it. It's like a poison dart or a poison bow, an arrow or an arrow that hits him in the heel. Yeah, yeah but that's that's also a weird parallel remember. because it's you know two arrows that kill this seemingly invulnerable guy. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, true. Yeah, I guess like because it's yeah, it's that story, the same kind of story. Whether or not they drew inspiration from the story of Achilles, who, who knows? Like, no, I just, yeah, I just this just I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last two chapters then are kind of, um, yeah, kind of wrap up the story. Um, so we first have the last days of Loki, and this is um, essentially after fighting with the gods, Loki kind of escapes. Um, I think he like transforms into a fish and he hides at the bottom of a, a uh, like a pond or whatever. But then eventually um, the other gods catch him. the 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 whole point of this is they kind of punish him. For his, his crimes, um, I think like this, but this this story, this particular chapter is kind of it's maybe you kind of feel bad for Loki in it, even though 
he definitely deserves what he gets. You, you do feel bad for him as well. He deserves a punishment, but yeah, it's a very harsh <laughs> punishment. Well, yeah, the punishment is a bit hard. But isn't he punished for kill? Is this is where the, the stories kind of start tying together more because he's punished for killing Balder? Yeah, yeah. They find out that it was his fault. Yeah, and they, yeah. yeah they, he's punished for that. So anyway. this is the this I we now see that one one incident directly leads to the next that's starting to have some kind of progression yeah so the, the brutality then comes from i think one of loki's sons has turned into a wolf and then he kills his brother and then loki's like bound with the dead brother's entrails and then has like snake venom dripping on his face and like he's hanging upside down or whatever it's dripping on his face and his like wife has to like stand there catch the venom but every time she uh has to like empty the bowl of venom like he's going to get hot wet again and he like is in pain and stuff and say like uh, I think Neil Gaiman then says anytime you feel an earthquake this is Loki shaking I'm in pain because she's had yeah. to empty out this bowl which I think is funny it's just you know when they try to relate one of these stories to like modern day stuff but yeah no I think the, the death or not the death the, the punishment is it's quite brutal um, and he's supposed to remain there now by, his, by these bonds until until Ragnarok I think it's the fact that they, they punish Loki's entire family yeah yeah yeah, so like, so the the, the Val the, Valley isn't it kills Narfi. Yeah, he makes makes one kill. I was gonna say, well, the reason that they don't just straight up kill Loki is because that Loki has a, like a blood pact with Odin or something, which means you know Odin yeah. won't kill him, sort of thing. But he he can punish him really badly, and he can kill the the kids because they're not um they're not bound by the blood pact. So it's pretty ruthless <laughs> from the gods, to be honest. Yeah. And also, in a way, it's the cause of, of another cause of Ragnarok. Because yeah, Loki's yeah. like, I want my revenge. This is the this is the yeah the direct catalyst of Ragnarok. It's it's where all the motivations come from. Um, yeah, it's it's very brutal. It, it reminds me sort of of the Prometheus. I think it's Prometheus, is it? Who's bound to the rock in Greek mythology? Yeah. But, uh, and that and that story that was a very sacrificial thing. Whereas here, Loki, he was just not a not a good dude but um yeah i think it was it was harsh on his whole family and like this this idea of being being harmed for all eternity like just the concept of being somewhere bound for eternity that that's what reminded me of prometheus and that's that's always feels extremely harsh just to be punished forever and ever but obviously this this wasn't forever and ever because we do find out loki eventually got free of this situation but that was the well, intention. No, so that's actually incorrect, Michael, because as Neil Gaiman describes, Ragnarok hasn't yet happened. Oh yeah, that's even right, today. This is what's this is what's supposed to happen, but right now Loki's actually still there, and it could be eternal. Sure, Michael. Ah, uh, yeah, and every every <laughs> time. Every well, as as Ragnarok as Ragnarok not inevitable though. <laughs> no, yeah, I think the, the comparison with Prometheus is uh, quite a good one. The only difference, I guess, is that Loki was you know punished for a bad crime, whereas I think. Uh, Prometheus is punished for giving fire to man though in both cases yeah. it's essentially you're punished for a betrayal and like obviously betrayal is in these kind of situations and like gods and stuff like that it's seen betrayal of like your family or whatever is seen as one of the worst crimes you can commit um, but yeah it's yeah, um, yeah those, those punishments are always they always seem so much so harsh like because it's like no matter what the person did they didn't do what they did for all eternity but then again I suppose yeah. like, like kill end up leading this by dying and that is for eternity so but everybody loved Balder yeah. and then he just comes back yeah. later on and it's fine he, he gets out of the underworld <laughs> and like it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> yeah the, the underworld situation and like 
the Viking Times makes no, or then these stories makes no sense because it's like you can go to. I think there's three different places you can go to Valhalla, you can go to Helheim, and then there's another place you can go, and like the rules are very like there's no like consistent consistent rule. It's yeah, but that that makes it even worse because they they punish Loki so harshly for killing for the death of Balder, and he just comes back at the end, and he, like you know, there's there's no issue, he's alive again. I suppose like you can't really kill. Lucky too, because it's like his daughter like runs the hell. Ah. hell. So like, if he goes goes to hell, he'll just like I just let me out again. You know. Hello, it's me again. Yeah, it's any, always like any yeah, horses I think yeah, that's the same <laughs> the same stuff in like Greek mythology as in this. Like it's like hell is like this place, and you go there in your same kind of form, your body that you died in, but you can somebody can come from the outside world, grab you, and take you out. Mm. Whereas yeah. you know. As we as we learned from the from the Disney movie Hercules, which I hear is extremely accurate to Greek mythology. Yeah, I'm just uh, just trying to enrage some listeners here. I love but, um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he just he it's just always... goes into the underworld and reaches out for his his girlfriend, I believe. <laughs> yeah. So the final chapter then. Um... Well, just just one 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 more thing. Did either of you think it was really dumb? How uh, was it, Kavasir? discovered where loki was like it was it was just completely <laughs> like what remind us what happens again uh so they f- they go to like this shack or something where they discovered loki's hiding out or whatever right uh <clears throat> and he's, he's he's just recently like bailed because he said they were coming from and basically there's like all this circumstantial evidence that leads kvasir to realize that loki's hiding in a pool at the bottom of a waterfall from like you know there's like a fishing net that he threw into the fire because he didn't want us to catch him sort of thing i'm like what (laughs) it was a bit it was a bit mad yeah it's good deduction if you ask me oh would you do you think (laughs) it's like why why would he burn this fishing net oh yeah because he's a fish well he could have just left the fishing net and then they would not remember him when he was you know if he was if he was so clever he should have burnt it and then transformed it he should have just been a bird and flew away he should have just been like you know (laughs) an insect again and just sat there (laughs) <laughs> I like some absolute maniac yeah. that like they would never. Oh, like yeah, just but sure, just wanted I guess to, that that wouldn't have made an interesting story. Like. Uh, no, I know. I just I just wanted to get your opinion on that because it, it just it was so strange to me. It's like they they could have just left this whole shack part out and they just find you know they find them somewhere and chase them to the pool. I don't know. It's a bit weird. Okay, I think there's a lot of like those mythologies. They're they're, they're not like modern day stories. They're just kind of, or you know, everything has to be have yeah. a complete answer. It's just like you know, just we'll just say yeah. this, and it doesn't matter if people don't don't get it. Like it matters yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. So moving on then to the last chapter, Ragnarok, the final destiny of the gods. Um, so Neil says that this chapter is different than that. Everything else has been things that have happened in our past. Um, and this is something that is yet to happen. So this Ragnarok, I'm sure a lot of people will be from, have heard of, is like the the, the end of days um, in, in this Norse mythology. I believe then that the, there's supposed to be a rebirth um, and that things will be reborn, but like be different. So the gods and all, will be they won't exist anymore, but there'll be something after. I was doing a bit of reading there online that says that that might actually not have been... They, I think they originally just said that this was the end of all things and that was it and i think like you know yeah because that's what i thought ragnarok was supposed to be just the end of everything yeah like it's it's the ends like and it just ends but i think like it might be christianity or something like that you know the the christians that kind of translated these stories just were like there has to be something after like there has to be some eternal life you know what i mean there has to be Um, something yeah 
Yeah, so they added that part in, um, I believe. That's what they think, but I don't think they're sure if this was the original or not. But Yeah. Anyway, so in this, this chapter, um, Loki and Fenrir, um, so that's Loki's son, the wolf, who was tied up as well. So, and Loki, who was tied up in the last chapter, they're afraid and together with the uh, serpent Jormungandr and Hell's legions, that Hell being another daughter of Loki, as well as the giants, um, they all they all come together and fight against the gods in a final battle. So this battle is supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to destroy most of the world and almost every participant is supposed to die. Um, the only gods that actually survive is Modi and Magni, which are the sons of Thor, and Vali and Vidar, who are the sons of Odin. And then Balder and Hod managed to return from the underworld. So, yeah, Stephen, like you are saying, they just, for some reason, they're able to just come yeah. back. But I guess it's because Hell, um, she left the underworld with all her legions. So I guess it's not guarded or whatever anymore. It's like, I imagine it just being like the, the portal scene in Avengers Endgame where all the gods just come out of the portals. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably probably as what that's drawn from as well. Balder's like, on your left, and Hod's like, where? Because I can't see. <laughs> uh, they're supposed to be then two, two, two humans as well Lif and Lifrasir they both survive as well and they're supposed to give the new generation of humans um, but I think the chapter starts with Loki and Fenrir getting free but I think it's like some kind of like earthquake there's, there's supposed to be that big fire like you see that in the Marvel movies the, the big fire monster Sur- I can't remember Surger. Yeah, so he's he's he does he's supposed to come and I think his coming creates like earthquakes and stuff, which is how you look at it like breaks all chains and ties and stuff. That's how they get free in the first place. Um, but yeah, what did you think about this chapter? Um, I think it's a, a good a good way to end any story is with the end of all times. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, I do. Yeah, I, I did take issue with the the rebirth part, as as you said, and I I think I would have just rather it ended <laughs> like everything. Especially because it's like, um, you know, because it's supposed to happen in the future, I would like like a full canonical ending sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, because it just uh, it just kind of tells us that the world is going to be different, and there's a lot of left up onto the, you know, it's it's left into interpretation. But um, I thought this chapter was really good. Um, there's a lot of drama in this chapter with four dying after you know slaying the uh, the Midgard serpent, and he he is poisoned then, and then Odin is consumed by Fenrir and his son um, Vidar I think he he avenges him and then we have the 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 battle between Loki and Hemdall it was like it was like an action movie it felt like it it was it was quite exciting you have all these money battles going on yeah it just felt like a lot was going on but I thought it was handled well I, I didn't because sometimes in books when there's big action scenes it doesn't translate as well as movies and you have no idea what's going on like I I thought no game and handled it really well and you knew exactly what was happening all the time and yeah. i thought it was an exciting chapter that as for like the part you guys have mentioned where it ties up um i, I, I was okay with that like the rebirth i i did a few times when i've read this a few times and i always every time i do i was like oh is that how it ends i, I thought ragnarok <laughs> was the end and uh but i kind of I, I like i kind of like what it's getting towards that you know, uh, something new can arise from the ashes of of things that are destroyed and everything. I, I like like that message. Did, what did you think about the chess um, symbolism? About like you know pieces on a board kind of thing at the end. That 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 uh, was finds the wee piece on, yeah. Yeah, I did like that. I thought that was it was quite a, a poetic way to describe it. It was yeah. it was um 
creative and, and interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with all I that. Like. Yeah, I, I like that Fenrir got his revenge because they he did not yeah. deserve that. All that they did there, per per pop. Yeah, yeah. Fen, Fenrir was done the dirty. <laughs> he was done. He was just giving tears some love, and you know he was like just growing yeah. a bit big, He's getting big for himself. It's not his fault. Maybe. He was he was born a hideous monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the the the, the Loki and handle fight as well like that was great he's yeah. kind of like you know what it's over it's over i won kind of hanging handles like well i can see further into the future than you and stuff and i yeah. know that it's all you know you haven't won everything's going to be grand and stuff that is the biggest f you to loki like because he is he yeah. thrives on chaos and then it's just like nah everything's going to be sweet man because <laughs> the, <laughs> the worst thing you could <laughs> <have> heard <laughs> hello <laughs> No, yeah, I, I, that was my favorite part about the chapter. Was was that, yeah. was that part? Nah, mate, it's grand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought this was a, I thought this was a great ending. I know, I know you said there's a bit of controversy about the rebirth thing, but um, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, it doesn't really like it doesn't really matter about like to me. Yeah, about the rebirth thing. Yeah, but I just thought it was for tying up a book. I think I would have, even though it's a bit more doom and gloom than everything ends. I think I would have preferred it just to yeah, everything's over. Yeah. No, I like. I do like the the end to be like. It's kind of like everything's destroyed and there's mass destruction and everything's in chaos. But then there's just this wee glimmer of hope. But that's it. Like I kind of really like that end. And it's it reminds me. I always think of um. You know the if you've seen the you know the original X Men movies and like Magneto loses his powers in the third one oh, and yeah. then there's like a chess piece at the end and it it's like moves a wee bit. Yeah. It's always like that. It's like he's lost his powers and like all his helpless and all, but then you see this wee glimmer of maybe he could get his powers back. He still has a wee trickle yeah. in there. I remember us talking yeah. about that at length when that came out. Yeah. <laughs> Does, did he even go anywhere with that? Like, did he even get his powers back? I can't remember. No. Well, no, he I can't does. remember if the new he ones. He does, though, because they have the, the, they, they have the old ones on them, don't they? Because he's in uh, the, the X Men. Um, the X Men, what's the word? Canon. It's, it's all over the place. Like, it's like yeah it's just it's so hard to dissect it's just it's a mess to be honest but it's because they have time travel on it like and stuff like yeah, the young, it's, it's an the absolute it's an absolute professor mess. and yeah uh, it's, it's too uh, i don't know okay um yeah so we're going to go on to our uh, uh rating section now and give our ratings out of uh five stars and maybe talk about to you about the narrator um, rating and what you thought of the narrator because we haven't really discussed that too much. Um, so yeah. uh, Stephen, we'll go to you, sure, first. Sure. Um, for for pure enjoyment, I think it's going to be like a three and a half for me. Um, as I mentioned through the reviews, there there was a few sticking points for me that I just couldn't get over, and it I wouldn't say ruined it, but it made it harder to enjoy, just because of how my brain works. Um, for the for the narrator though, I thought I thought he was really really good. Um, maybe four four and a half stars, but yeah, I would say like a three and a half overall for the for the whole thing. I, I'm not sure if I touched on this before, but the 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 short story format I I do I do like it, but it's a bit jarring to me when the stories try and like tie in with each other. Yeah, I I think I would have I would have rated it higher if they were all just one either one coherent story or just short stories completely separate, or maybe not completely separate, but um, you know, like they didn't have as much bearing on the rest of the stories. If you like it, it's good to good to hear. Yeah, you enjoyed it, um, Michael. Yeah, I I really like this book. This is the this is the third time that I've read this. I feel like I've said that about a lot of 
the books we've done where it's the fur time but so um yeah and i i've spoke that i really like neil gaiman's short story collections he uh he's very experimental in some of his short stories he, he takes a lot of risks and stuff and, and tells stories like i've never heard before he's like a modern like he he's a kind of this is a modern iteration of the kind of people who would sit around the fires and tell stories of old times i feel somebody who would tell fairy tales and stuff that's the way i always feel about him um i love that he's so he's so influenced by mythology uh, and deities and and it plays such an important part in his stories this this is one of his best books in my opinion it's up there with american gods and with his short story collections uh, there's a few stories on this that i wasn't that much a fan of that i skipped over kind of not as engaged with them but um i feel like that's there's it's hard to do a short story collection where you love all the stories it just doesn't happen there's always there's always some stories on the collection you just don't don't like so it's hard to mark it down too much based on three or four stories i would say i was i was dancing kind of between a four and a four and a half i think i'm gonna give it a four and a half and and mostly because of neil gaiman's narration i think brings it up so much as well he he really does like take on that role of a storyteller so much he he's not like i sometimes use the word voice actor to describe some of the people he's not he's not so much a voice actor as a narrator i think there is a distinction between the two he he's very much just he doesn't do too much of the voices apart from his four and his fenrir they're mostly just him putting on slightly tone but that, that that's fine with me because he's just you can you can get his passion and his love for what he's reading so much in and at that yeah. I think it just it brings it up so much. He also so does go four and a half stars. Sorry, he also does something with Loki's voice where he kind of he doesn't put on a voice, but just the way he talks, like certain way he says things, you can get you know. There's a different of, intonation, yeah. Yeah, you get more more out of the character, but yeah, I would agree. Yeah. What would you say? Also, this is my recommendation, um, and as I went through before, why I recommended uh, recommended it. But yeah, I just absolutely love any kind of mythology um, stories and these ones the Norse mythology I think maybe for me Greek is probably my favourite but I'd say Norse is a very close second in terms of the stories um, I think it's the Greek edges on their brutality <laughs> whereas this I think is yeah they, these are more comedic stories Yeah. Um, but no I absolutely loved it and I thought the fact that Neil Gaiman of course being the author and having such a passion for these stories did a great job narrating it and you know you can hear it, hear it when he does the narration um, so yeah that for, I really enjoyed the narration of this book um, enjoyed the voices he did and just the general actual narrating voice as well I thought it was quite easy to listen to um, and I thought just the, the actual you know the the book was it was quite easy to listen to it. I know that some of the names and st- stuff like that and places have weird you know names that we're not used to pronouncing and stuff but I think the fact that it's an audiobook and we can just listen to the names you know I, it's it's nice to listen to these names Whereas I think if I had read the book, it might not have been as good. Um, so I'm glad it was the audiobook version that I was listening to. Um, so overall, I'm going to give this a 4.5. Yeah, I just really enjoyed this book. And yeah, I think in future now I'll be... Uh, this is the first only thing I've ever read or listened to from Neil Gaiman. But I think I'll hopefully get on to his... He does the Good Omens and the American Gods. Um, so hopefully read those and actually watch the shows as well. Um, so he's definitely now a, mm-hmm. an author on my radar after this. Good Omens, really good. That's why they call it Good Omens, like. <laughs> I actually just bought uh, bought my niece the, the, the card cover of Good Omens, the book. Oh, nice. I'll be expecting mine in the mail then. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, so we'll move on to the comparison to our media. Of course, this section could be, you know, we could have a whole episode on, on this on itself because Norse mythology has influenced a lot of things. Yes, yes. And maybe when I, I'll go through a couple of things I've got here and then you can add on if you have any additional ones. Um, so there's, of course, different um, shows. Um, there's the show Vikings, Michael, you're watching that currently. I've, I've seen it before. Of yeah. course, they just they have lots of like visions in that show about like Odin coming to them and giving them advice and things like that. And I think uh, the main character Ragnar, and it's like you know everybody believes he's kind of like a almost like a demigod, like descendant from the gods, and like a like a, a Thor kind of character because he's a great warrior and things like that. Um, the show I brought up as well, the Norseman. Um, I'm just bringing this up as another shout out there because I want people to watch it so it, you know it gets revived. But that's a show about, um, as it called, Norsemen. It's about uh, uh, people and uh, Vikings and stuff like that and also has a lot of references to the gods. And there's a show on Netflix called The Last Kingdom, um, which I haven't watched, but I heard it's very, very good. Um, and I do want to get there eventually, but I'm sure that's, that's also set in Viking times. I'm sure it makes a lot of references to Norse mythology. Um, we've mentioned a lot about Thor, the Marvel um, stuff. Um course that's where neil gaiman got his inspiration to do these stories and how he got on it um i think one distinction i did want to bring up just when i was talking about this is that you know loki and thor are supposed to be brothers and that whereas um in, in this in the in the actual norse mythology loki is um odin's blood brother so not his real brother but it's never really discussed how he became his blood brother or whatever but um he's he's if anything he's like thor's blood uncle um you can almost think of it um, but yeah, it's just one main distinction. I think the, the but they do in this book they do go on a lot of like adventures together and stuff. Um, so I think the fact that Mick and them brothers, it I like that story better. That if they were brothers, you know, kind of like you've got the two sides. It's like them being brothers. They they they're supposed to be going on these kind of things together, whereas it kind of just seems a bit random. It's just these two gods who aren't really related going on these adventures together, but. Yeah, that was just one thing for me um, and I think then you know you have things like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings series they've obviously been heavily influenced by North mythology as the creators have both stated they yeah that's any, anything I wanted to mention do you have any additional media that's, that's similar to this or wanted to discuss further anything I brought up uh, so I was just going to say you, like you said Lord of the Rings there uh, like Tolkien was a big scholar of mythology like he um the the metal world is called Middle Earth and has mythology and we know it's called Midgard and this you could even hear it in the names. Magic items and stuff, you know, it's magical rings or a, a Norse mythology. Uh, they don't they don't t- touch too much on magical rings in this story, but it's a big part of Norse mythology. And then um uh Skyrim as well, I suppose the game would be, I would say, heavily inspired by Norse mythology. Um I watched a movie this year. Yeah. 2022 called the Northman. so this is a revenge story and it is the inspiration for shakespeare's hamlet i believe this myth so this is the original hamlet the whole the the guy kill the uncle kills the father takes his position and stuff and then it's a ra, ra, uh, robert edgar's movie i would recommend it it's quite a it's, it's a bit of a it's not like the typical blockbuster or anything it's about dark and grimy and it's about uh weird at times but i thought it was a really good movie no it's it's been a bit divisive but i thought i I really enjoyed it and that's that's everything really i could there if we dug deeper of course we could bring up so much 
Yeah, like like I said before, it kind of permeates all sorts of different media. The the main one that I wanted to kind of bring up was uh, I said before World of Warcraft, the kind of lore in the Warcraft universe. A lot of it's uh, a lot of it draws from the Norse mythology, and some characters directly appear, although their names are spelt slightly different. Like Odin appears, but his name has a Y in it and stuff. You know, there's this character called Loken, and he betrays the other. They call them keepers, and that's not gods, but yeah, it's, there's there's a lot of like story in that that's that's derived from from Norse mythology, and I and I that's one of, that's another thing that I liked about the book was that I could like draw between that and this. Yeah, uh, how to how to train your dragon as well has one I forgot to bring up. Oh yeah, yeah, that's like yeah, that's more or less completely Norse. Like kind of like they have the Viking helmets and everything. Yeah. I guess we'll move on to trivia, which is kind of very similar like this. So, like I said, that this, the Norse mythology has very heavily influenced um, a lot of today's um, stories and culture. Um, so, main trivia I've got is that our days of the week in English have actually all been named, apart from Saturday, are all named after Norse gods. Um, so an example is Tuesday is supposed to be named after Tyr, who we've seen in that, who's the god of war, and who got, to, got his hand bit off by Fenrir. Um, and then there's Thursday. Thursday is supposed to be, yeah, it's Thor's day, and that's like in honour of the god of thunder. I think the, the funny one is Saturday is the only one that's remained named after a Roman god, Saturn, because the seventh day of the week, you know, say if the week starts on Sunday, which a lot of people do as well, um, a lot of people consider it starts on Sunday. Um, the Saturday would be the seventh day, but it's supposed to be the laundry day for the Norse. So I'm, I'm not really sure what that means. There just must be like no kind of praise day God on that day. Do you know? So it's they didn't take the name of any God or something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure why laundry day. Is that just the day that all the, the Vikings went down to the river and washed their laundry? Yeah. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, that was my trivia. If you want to add anything, the the main one that I found was that uh, so Neil Gaiman mentions that like one of his inspirations for uh, getting into Norse mythology is obviously the Marvel comics, right? Uh, but did you know that the, the this book is being adapted into a comic series? So it's kind of come full full circle. Right. Well, uh, yeah. No, I, think I don't it know might that actually that. be finished. It might actually be finished yeah. now, but I think it's it's dark dark horse, not. Uh, Marvel. I actually don't know. Maybe they're related in some way. But... As, ne- as Neil Gaiman, do you not? Because I know he's a comic writer too. He does the Sandman comics. I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, that's uh, Neil Gaiman's co- does comics as well. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, I, ju- I like I haven't read any of them or anything. I just I just read like you know read about it online when we were talking about when I was researching about the book. Yeah, I don't really have any trivia. I w- I just wanted to talk about one thing which I watched recently and the um. The Viking show, which is the what do you call the the sacrifice, the eagle thing? Blood eagle. It's a form of punishment. Yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. Um, but I was actually really <laughs> familiar with that too. I just wanted to mention like another movie called uh, Midsummer, which is like a horror cult movie, and uh, you actually see that m- more graphically than you do in Vikings. You see the end product, so it's pre- it was pretty disturbing, and and they never explained what that was. So like my oh, first yeah. my first time ever seeing that it was just like this guy floating and you could still see the lungs inflating and deflating and i was the creepiest thing ever but yeah it actually is it's yeah no it's a, it's a form of punishment um 
and it is like it is actually they they did used to do it. They actually mention it in Norseman as well, so it was a Viking way of punishing someone. Um, yeah. So I think like if you were like treason or something, whatever the highest crimes were, that was that was the punishment for Kinslaying. it. Yeah, Kinslaying Kinslaying. betrayal. They should have, they should have done that to Loki. Yeah, true. He probably yeah. just sat there alive as well the whole time. But to be fair, he got pretty tight anyway of Venom or whatever dripping on his face, like melting his face away. Blood Eagle and Venom. Now there's a punishment. Also, there is the, the punishment that is known as Son of Mask. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's us done with trivia. So we'll move on now to just what else are we consuming. Um, so, Michael, if you want to go first, what else are you consuming or listening to, reading? Yeah, uh, for some reason... And the build up to Christmas, I was compelled to watch a lot of horror movies, which is not very festive of me. But um, I heard that the 2022 was like a great year for horror. Then I looked at the list and I was like, oh, I haven't, I haven't really watched any of these. So I was like, oh, I'm going to watch as many of these as I can. Uh, some that I want to talk about, there was a movie called Barbarian. A lot of people are talking about it was pretty good. There was a movie called Fresh. And I don't even want to talk what this is about. It's it's quite a disturbing premise, but I don't know what it was about. The first like, the first quarter of this movie. Did was you like, say fresh or thresh? Fresh, like F R E S H. Okay. And the the first like quarter of that movie was like this rom com because I don't do any research or anything about the movie, and it was like this really nice rom com. Then it just takes a brutal turn, and it's, it doesn't actually show that much, but just the concept of it is is quite disturbing. And I watched um watch more horror movies there was this um oh skinamarink i watched it. it was a really weird movie it was uh it's quite an art house movie with the, of the majority of the shots are like door frames it doesn't really ever focus on people's faces or anything just it's like a paranormal activity kind of cut 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 but it's not found footage it's just it just only pays attention to the door frames but the premise of this movie is the most haunting thing i thought was um especially being a dad it was like uh two children wake up i think it's the middle of the night or it's early morning or something they wake up and they realize that their dad is missing and they're in the house alone and all the windows and doors have disappeared so that that idea alone i just thought geez that that is disturbing as hell but and it's a really weird movie it's getting a lot of buzz like but it's really art house all the windows and doors are gone yeah like they're just there's just blank walls so they can't get out It's, and there's this like yeah kinda, don't, li- don't like that yeah it's it was uh it was interesting but yeah i've been watching a lot of horror movies just for some reason but i would say t- i would agree with the the fact 2022 was a really good year for horror movies uh for me i've not consuming a while lot still still working my way through game of thrones um on halfway through storm of swords uh the book set is not the, not the show uh and then i'm also watching the sopranos again because it's just so good. It's on the list. I still haven't seen it, but uh, Kira always recommends it. Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's really good, man. I think you would love it. I've seen the first it. episode about the ducks, like, so that's all that matters. Poor like. <laughs> <laughs> ducks. Uh, for myself, I've, um, to be honest, I've only really been doing <laughs> one thing. Um, I've been off since the 9th of December. I've um, had the use of a load of holidays, and I've just got myself uh, down on the dangerous path, and I'm re- from the very start replaying all the Pokemon games. Nice. <laughs> and also watching the show. Um, so, nice. Oh, nice. So, it ended recently, doesn't it? It did. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually wild fun. I, I watched so one of the one of the early episodes. You know, uh, Ash catches a, like a 
caterpie evolves it up to a butterfree and then the butterfree releases it then they like go to mate or whatever i wanted to so i was like <laughs> oh i wonder like because I, I obviously stopped watching it when i was younger at some stage and never seen what happened i was like oh i wonder what became that butterfree it must come back in some episode and then something popped up on my timeline it was like after 25 years ash's butterfree has finally returned i was like what how first of <laughs> all how the hell does it know that i was thinking about this and then number two is like why did it take them 25 years well, it's not really in the show. It's not twenty five. Ah, yeah, years. no. Well, obviously, because Ash, Ash he's, he's forever. Yeah, 10, he's a kid. But... Um, but I think so. The Pokemon series is going to continue, but Ash and Pikachu are out of it now. He looks great for thirty five years old. <laughs> yeah, is that like the final scene of the show? Just Ash re- reuniting with Butterfree? Because I think that would be amazing. That would be, but I don't know because I, I'm only on the um first season at the minute and there's usually around 100 episodes a season and there's like 19 seasons so you know i've got a yeah. long way to go let us let us know Jeez. in a couple of years when you finish it yeah um but i just watched the first movie there mike michael Wien used to watch it all the time um the one the music oh yeah Hopefully, me too strikes back whatever me too strikes back yeah, yeah. um so yeah. i just watched that you know obviously crying maze out when all the when ash gets turned to stone and all the animals are crying <laughs> um i used to have that on vhs and i wish i still had it yeah, we did too. Came in this like yellow case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to. Yeah, we had that same one. Yeah, we had that too. Um, yeah. So I've been rewatching that, replaying the games. So I've played. Uh, actually, I never played red, blue, or yellow. Um, I think I only started there oh, really? silver and gold. Yeah, I think I was about too young. Right. I think, uh, I think you all played it, but I was like, you know, obviously a year younger than Stephen. I think I just never played at that stage. Me and Michael completed the Pokedex in blue. I remember us doing that. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do, um, is they actually go back and complete their, those Pokedexes. Um, but I played all three of them, because you know, obviously you need both of them. You can, so the way I play it, you can trade between yourself anyway. You play an emulator? Yeah, yeah, so an emulator, and you can like spin up two uh, games at once, two, yeah, and trade between them. So it's quite handy for that, like, so, um, but yeah, I just kind of each game, I would, you know, have a different starter and then you know catch different Pokemon at the start and like, go through with those. Uh, but no, um, it's literally taking up most of my day. Like I literally just sit and play it while I'm watching the series at the same time. <laughs> nice man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's absolutely loving it. Like I'm not even. I've been doing it now for what, five or six days in a row, um, almost all the day, <laughs> apart from when I'm eating meals or going to the gym or something. <laughs> it's literally my, my completely <laughs> time. Um, I don't. Which is your favorite game? So like. <laughs> replaying now well because i never played those three original but i think i knew the original regions because in silver and gold you go back to as kento was the original region yeah. Yeah, so i knew the region from there just trying did you play fire red and leaf green jonathan oh yeah i played those yeah all right because those would have been basically reskins of, uh, the, of those yeah, original games so they're the remix um but they had the the updated pokedex but that you could get all the yeah yeah okay yeah, there were some differences. Yeah. I think I really enjoyed the Sapphire and Ruby and the Emeralds, kind of the whole yeah. region. I think I, I, I think that was kind of when I was a good age for that. Whenever that came out, that was kind of like an age where I could understand what was going on. Whereas the earlier versions, I was maybe a bit. I don't really have an idea what I, I was actually doing, watched the video. I think it was it might was there yesterday or two days ago, where the, like <clears throat> there was this. Um, they basically rated all the games, all the generations, and it was like you know community yeah. um, sort of uh, poll thing. And three generation three was the was the highest rated like consistently, uh, which yeah. is you know ruby sapphire emerald, uh, oh, and then the fire red yeah, and green yeah. ones. It's just it, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I love I love fire red. Was my fear. But I'm gonna uh, yeah work work my way through 
kind of the older ones. I think I stopped playing after Fire Red and Leaf Green. I don't really think I got any of the ones after that, but yeah, I would like to kind of play most of the old ones. Like, I'm not sure, to be honest, I don't really keep up with it much. I think I played Black and White 2, I think. Um, just randomly, I felt I had a DS at the time. I was like, you know what, I'll just get these. But uh, no, I'm absolutely loving, loving the, the, just the, the memories it brings up and stuff. But yeah, it's consuming a lot of my time. Nice. Um, nice one. Yeah, so I guess we'll go on to plugs then. Anything you want to plug? I, uh, I did another little episode of my other podcast, The Dark Tales. Uh, an episode called Moonshine. Uh, the last episode was like a vampire story, so you can kind of maybe guess what this story might be about. Werewolves. <laughs> or, Possibly. or Robocop. <laughs> or Robocop. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I did another another part of that, and I've um, been thinking about uh, doing narration for Soulbonder, but um, just to keep practicing and get better at it. But the one thing that doing this has taught me is that it's really hard being Northern Irish and saying some words. <laughs> yeah, I've already I just tried so. to say hierarchical. I can't think of hierarchical. Hierarchical. But yeah, uh, there's just some words that we find it really hard to say, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just learning stuff like that. But yeah, I'm having hierarchical. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the Dark Tales. That's that you can get that on uh, Spotify and things like that as well. Yeah, if you search the Dark Tales and my name, Michael. Nice, it's just Michael. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else um, for my part, so I guess. Um, We'll pass it over now to Michael to do the next uh, book pick. So, Michael, work away. Yeah, so uh, I am going to... We've been focusing on shorter books for a while. I'm going to break our format a bit because uh, on the next episode, we're actually not reviewing a book. We're doing our uh, year review episode. I know that we are a new podcast and we don't really have much to talk about, but uh, we're going to do it anyway and just just a little roundup of the last couple of months because it's something that we want to set a precedent for and do every year so that's going to give us about four weeks to read the next book so i thought this might be the perfect chance to do a bigger book a longer book maybe maybe it might take us even longer because it is it is quite a long book it's 25 hours so the book that i uh want us to do is called the final empire it's a mistborn book by brandon sanderson it's a an epic fantasy book I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna tell you about it now. I'm gonna send the uh, cover into the chat, and you get, guys can kind of try and guess what it's about here. What's what's it called again? It's called the Final Empire. Okay. Mistborn One. Robocop. <laughs> just before you guess, I want that they also say that the seventh book of the series actually just came out, so maybe a decent time to do it. Okay, just looking at the cover, right, <clears throat> and the name of and the title, I'm gonna guess it's some sort of like wasteland or it takes place in some sort of wasteland or maybe like the afterlife or something yeah so so just to describe the cover um it's essentially a a backdrop of like a almost like a gothic kind of or medieval town um so it's it's like a grayscale you can just see church uh, spires and things like that and then just in front of that you've got this character to me, it seems he's some kind of specter. He almost looks like a Dementor, but it also looks like in his right hand, there's something like poking out there at the bottom, which might be a sword of some kind. Um, but I'm not sure on that. This is 
my speculation. I'm not even sure if this is a person like that. That thing there could just be could just be a cloak blown through the one deck, but um, that's what it looks like to me. Um, On some some editions of this book cover, there as it does less the um the little blurb thing. There the the tagline. Do you want me to tell you what that is or? Do you want to just guess based on? Is, is it too much? Tell, tell us it's after. A good, it's a good. It's after. a really good tagline, I think. Tell, tell us after we've yeah. guessed. Yeah. Okay. And then we can. So then I'm gonna go with. Um, it's about. So the main protagonist being this guy shown is a fighter, but he also has some magical powers, and there is a corrupt uh, empire, and he. It's essentially about his fighting against this empire. Um, to weed out the corruption, which I'm assuming is obviously going to be to deal with the Emperor or assassinate the Emperor or fight the Emperor on a battlefield, something like that. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say that it takes place in some sort of like, yeah, uh, like wasteland or dystopia or maybe the afterlife, I'm not really sure. Something to do with like spectres, yeah, as Jonathan said, or uh, based on because it says Mistborn Book One, something about mists. You know, around the landscape, so it's kind of like a barren sort of place, or empty maybe. Uh, the final empire, so yeah, uh, I guess there's going to be, I guess the, the people are ruled over by like a tyrant of some sort, or you know, um, something, something there. Yeah, uh, those I'm gonna just tell you off the bat here. Those are both pretty good guesses, and I'm gonna have a tough time deciding which between them. Um, Robocop. <laughs> The, the tagline the tagline for this book was uh what what if the dark lord won which i think is a really oh, evocative okay. good ta- tagline yeah so so my guess would stay if, if just don't don't count this in for the you know the, the, the official guess whatever, yeah. but my guess would my guess would stay the same based on that but like yeah so the, there's obviously like the the emperor is some sort of super tyrant and he's like you know really really evil and yeah yeah i guess the the mistborn people are like remnants of society or something and they rise up against them. I actually think if I had known that tagline in advance, I would have said that the, this is the last empire that this evil, be, these evil beings haven't destroyed. And it's about the battle of, you know, trying to survive and defeat this evil. And this is the last em- empire. Oh, that's but that's obviously yeah. my post knowing guess. Like, but yeah, this, uh, this, this text, this is a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, it's an epic fantasy. This takes place in um, Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere, which is basically his version of like the MCU. It's this interconnected universe of different series and stuff. So this is kind of like showing somebody Iron Man one, kind of. This is like, but I don't actually know if this is chronologically the first book on the on the Cosmere, but you it mean, has the um, it has a good entry point. I think. Is this is this part of showing it? them the Incredible Hulk first? Oh. <laughs> Cut that, cut no. that, cut that. <laughs> um, the true original. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> um, is this is this book part of a series? I. It's part of a. It's part of a series. Like you said, it's part. It's part of this universe, but is it part of its own? It's part of its own well? series. It's part of the the Mustborn series. Has seven books right now, but there's there's other fantasy series that take place within the same universe. Not the same planet. Yeah. These are like all separate. Like he tells different fantasy tales that take place in different planets. It's basically what the cosmos yeah. is. But you have like the same kind of setup and stuff like that. And there is chance of overlap, but there might not be. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Understood. 
Sounds um looking forward to it and he said it's a long book as well, kinda twenty five hours. Yeah, it might it might even take us longer than the four weeks, but we'll see how we get on. Yeah, it depends how much it grips me, I guess, but uh, with the free time at the minute, like I've said. You know what, it just depends on how much Pokemon I'm playing, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, 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 if I'm too deep in the Pokemon realm, then it's going to take me a while. If you can squeeze in, like, 50 minutes a day, I think that, that covers it for four weeks. <laughs> um, really? That doesn't seem right. Well, 25, oh, no. 20, four weeks is 28 days, so... I know you're 20, right, yeah. Uh, I was right. Um, no, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, yeah, I've, I've been looking for a longer book at the moment because we've kind of been reading short books. And we've been reading science fiction, so I wanted to get us a, a fantasy book just to try. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, happy days. I think I think that's everything from us um, for this episode. So, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, they still have the, the Twitter and the email and stuff if you want to send in any recommendations. Yeah. We're, that's, we're going to put that. that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, if you if you want to send on any book recommendations, we log everything we're requested. Even even people who ask us to do this or that book in real life, we uh we still log it. So we've got a collation of all these books. We're we're not sure how to handle it yet, but once we get to a certain popularity of one book, we'll have to eventually be like, right, we need yeah. to do this. Yeah, because we're doing we're doing really well, I think, in growth and downloads, but we still don't really have a community or anything. So it's not we can't really. It doesn't feel like we we're ready to do listener episodes yet, but uh, we we do plan on doing that once we grow the community a bit more. Yeah. Okay. So um, if we have nothing else, I think I'll say goodbye. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.